back to another episode of the Waffle Press Morning Movie Show Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Universa. Hello, I'm uh, reporting from the Four Seasons Landscaping and Architecture. It's my uh, perpetual home for the next couple of days. Okay, what's it like uh, sitting next to a sex shop and a crematorium? <laughs> it's, you know, it's not too bad. It's a, it's a nice neighborhood for the most part. Just uh, the crematorium. You know, it's a pretty, pretty, uh, it's a nice family business. They, uh, it's been in their family for like four generations and you know, the sex shop, it's sex positive, you know, that's, yeah, you know, I, that's, I hear that's it has cool. better, I hear it has better Yelp reviews than, uh, the four seasons. So good on them. Well-deserved, I'm sure. Uh, also today's episode is going to be about film noir, but we just want to mention, uh, because, Naturally, the United States just cannot get it together. Uh, everyone, please stay home uh, as often as possible, as often as you can. Uh, we're kind of on our own here, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, look out for each yes. other. Uh, yeah. Stay home, wear your mask if you're outside, and uh, try to convince as many people as you can to stay home as well. Yeah, don't and, kill your don't kill your grandma, you know, because I'm just staying home with my parents. We're not having anyone over. It's gonna I'm gonna cook something. You're uh, just going to chill, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I got a crock pot, so I'm, I'm busting that open with some ham. Some, I'm not a big turkey guy, but maybe yeah. some turkey. I don't know. We'll, well, see. That, we'll see. That sounds like, you know, I mean, it's not kosher, but, you know, it sounds like a good fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, today dirty, we're going to talk, talk a little bit about... Huh? It's a dirty animal. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But, anyways... <laughs> Yeah, so we're here to talk about film noir, but first we always open up the show with what we're watching lately. So Gene, what have you been watching lately? Uh, lately, um, in terms of movies, I've been trying to catch up with a lot of streaming uh, films because, you know, I miss the, uh, you know, when a film would come out in a uh, theater, there'd be sometimes a limited window. And for streaming, it's kind of, you know, you don't have that uh, rush to get in because it's like it's always going to be there. But, uh, but I watched lately, I watched uh, Totally Under Control, the uh, COVID documentary on Amazon. That was a little uh, frightening considering uh, where we're at right now. But at least I watched it like after the election. So that wasn't as depressing for sure. Um, but I would recommend that because it's a very, I wouldn't say scary, but it's very harrowing. Um, but, it, but it is necessary to, to watch, you know. I mean, it really encap- encapsulates the whole year and puts everything in perspective in terms of what uh, the U.S. did wrong and, uh, you know, lack of leadership. Um, I Yeah, I watched The Trial of the Chicago 7. I didn't hate it as much as I thought <laughs> I thought I would. Um, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's that great either. Certainly, certainly shouldn't win an Academy Award, but uh, five or six months from now, I'll probably be proven wrong. Don't, don't put that out there. Don't, <laughs> don't do this to me. Yeah. Um, antebellum. Um, that that was not a good experience. Um, I, uh, I saw that. I got it for free at Redbox. But uh, that was, a, I don't know, it felt like very gratuitous. And like sometimes it felt some of the stuff like in bad taste, you know. Uh, yeah, I just, I, you know, it was too much for me a little bit. Yeah, I, I didn't hear a single positive take about Antebellum, which is yeah. too bad because I like Janelle Monet like a lot as a yeah. as an actress and as an artist. So no, she's that's too she's bad. Good actress, yeah. Just, 
that. And then uh, I guess the last thing I was starting to watch the uh, Marvel 616 documentary series. Um, first episode's good because it talks about Japanese Spider-Man, which is very underrated. And then I skipped ahead just to see everyone dunk on Dan Slott, who if we don't, no one knows, he's a very infamous comic book writer who has a very infamous Twitter responses and and things of that ilk and he's notorious for uh, not meeting his deadlines yep. but I would, I would recommend watching that documentary episode because it's like an episode of the office like michael scott just uh laying around and his deadlines just it's going up to the wire do you have any but he uses he uses the marvel method though uh so i'll do a correction that's not the marvel method the marvel method is you have to give your artists a summary and you have to give them a clear idea. Um, you could have like something completed in your head. It doesn't have to be a full script, but you'll put in the work to finish it and um, you know, fill in the word balloons. It's just being more collaborative instead of just giving it to the artist. So that's a, that's a, that's a misconception about the Marvel method. Stan Lee did not do that. Well, take that, that Dan Slot. Um, yeah. No, but that that. But he probably blocked you at this moment. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that episode kind of uh, blew up on Twitter. Uh, I haven't seen any of that documentary, but just oh like God. wow, um, wow. Uh, yeah. So I guess check that out <laughs> if you're interested in um, a dumpster fire. I've been watching. Uh, uh, I've been trying to get more film noir stuff under my belt. Last time I mentioned I was watching, I rewatched Inland Empire, which, you know, we'll get into film noir stuff in a second, but like the tagline is a woman in trouble. That's, that's the most description you'll get about that movie. Yeah. Everything else is kind of up to, up, up to what you get from it. Like that's, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> like there's not, there's not really anything else to say. You just kind of got to watch that one. Is it um, dreamy? Uh, no, it's horrifying, but also oh, okay. very soothing, and All also right. it's it, it's everything. It's okay. Needs to yeah, be, needs to be more dreamy. It's uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I rewatched uh, Michael Mann's Thief, which I think is a great entry point for uh more modern noir. Is color mostly right, uh, and also Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is one of those movies that's like. You know, it, you, you see it like in a college dorm on a poster and you're like, I don't know if I want to date this person, right? <laughs> this, this, it has that it has that vibe. It's like the Dark Knight, unfortunately, you know? It's like the incels kind of hijacked it. Yeah. But also you rewatch those movies and you're like, no, that's just a really fucking good movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that movie is, is the business. It's about like the broken America and like how it broke this one dude and how it makes him like isolated but also how he can't connect to people and he's like a psychopath and it's a, it's a terrific character study that doesn't endorse any actions of its protagonist which might be harder for people to digest i think mm -hmm. i mean after all these years you know that's that's a still big point of like controversy about that film in particular and of course like what comes up like from last year when we talked about like joker and stuff like that and yeah you know, like subjectivity versus like the character's objectivity and uh, personal like um, experiences watching that film and that sort of thing. And Taxi Driver's fucking great for all those reasons and more, but also just like, it's such a great like performance from Robert De Niro because he's got like so much going on, like any individual scene, you don't know what's like 
what movement he's gonna do like either with his dialogue or like with his body and it's just like I've always who, who doesn't love Taxi Driver I'm not surprising anybody when I say it's a great movie but yeah. like just re-watching it recently I was like wow <laughs> like that one uh really really holds up uh, and I also rewatched Crimson Tide recently for uh, uh, a guest spot on our buddy the youth critic Kale's podcast um Crimson Tide by the late great Tony Scott uh maybe the great submarine film right alongside um The Hunt for Red October uh, about stopping nuclear holocaust and uh, a battle of wits between Denzel Washington and uh, Gene Hackman. It's, it might be a masterpiece. It's fucking terrific. Have you ever seen Crimson Tide, Gene? No, I, I have to, though. Oh, dude, it's on Amazon Prime. Wrong aspect ratio, but it doesn't even matter because <laughs> the movie's just that good. Uh, I bring this up on the podcast, too, but this is just a pet peeve I have because I will talk about Tony Scott later as well. Uh, but Tony Scott always shot, or at least primarily shot in like that anamorphic widescreen the 235i and crimson tide is compressed to 16 by 9 the traditional widescreen and uh it's a it's a gorgeous looking film anyways but it's just a bummer like why did they do that you know like hbo did that for a long time like don't do yeah. that come on dude like that should be illegal nope. i think I people should actually be punished for that they should be shot i don't whoa <laughs> you're probably not wrong no 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 we, we can't endorse actual violence here we only joke about that stuff uh but yeah let's just get into it film noir what do we know about film noir it means uh it's uh you know it means black that's what it translates to yeah it's, it's literally just it's literally just yeah. that but um fancy where yeah it's a fancy way to uh describe a film <laughs> it, it is a fancy way to describe a film but I'm gonna describe the actual definition of film noir anyways. French for dark film, like you said, the style of filmmaking characterized by such elements as cynical heroes, dark lighting effects, frequent use of flashbacks, intricate plots, and an underlying existential philosophy. The genre is prevalent mostly in American crime dramas of the post-World War II era. That is from Britannica.com. And I actually just, I, I this isn't gonna be like a super in-depth discussion of film noir. This is just kind of like a place to start with film noir. Mm -hmm. So we're not gonna talk too deeply about stuff like out of the past multi-falcon and stuff like that but um do you remember the first film noir like adjacent movie you saw gene so like i, I guess post 1980s is i think where our cult cultural touchstones would start you know mm -hmm. before we get back into the black and white era do you remember the first one that maybe struck you or you remember was... watching oh um that i remember watching um uh... Well, I think the earliest one is that, you know, everyone watches Citizen Kane, you know, but like you don't really remember when. Um, I would say The Third Man. That's stars Orson Welles. I love the uh, the cinematography of that movie. He didn't direct it, even though people keep saying that he didn't. He just probably they asked him, like, hey, what do you think of this? He was like, oh, I guess it's, you know, I guess it's fine. Um, I don't think you would have like a what's that instrument that uh that plays in the that plays for the soundtrack it's like a sounds like a spongebob that's a slide zither. whistle no it's a zither a zither yeah it's like no this it's like uh it's like kind of like a ukulele sounding instrument that's in the third man i can't i can't recall the name oh okay 
No, it's all right. Just think of like all the music they use for like SpongeBob or something, <laughs> or like Tiny Tim. That artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like that. So yeah, I think that that's the one where I'm like, oh, I, I really dig this. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would probably be one of the first ones. That yeah, I, I, I think for me, because I, I remember, I, I loved the Universal Monster stuff when I was younger, right? And so like, um, like, the, I'll get there, I, I promise. But I'm going to start with the 1999 Mummy, which has nothing to do with film noir. Just show me out. When that first came out, like on VHS and DVD, right? Or I guess VHS would have been 1999, right? So like, uh, they always play the trailers before the movie on those, right? You had to rewind them and all that jazz. Now in those trailers, they would show like obviously other universal pictures, movies that they were trying to promote. And a big part of that was the universal monster stuff. So there would be like images of like Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, all that, right? And I was always so like fascinated by the black and white photography because it just didn't look like stuff from that era. It, It doesn't look like stuff from now either, right? Like the lighthouse is like probably the most, I mean, it's a direct like attempt at replicating that original film look right. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, but seeing the the trailer for those on like a VHS tape like really struck me because I just it it scared me because the monsters, but I was also like interested in that. And so eventually, as I got older, I started like trying to watch more older stuff just to try to get it, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit. And um, that's how I eventually stumbled upon like Nosferatu on YouTube when I got <laughs> older and stuff like that. Cause right. Nosferatu is just free for everyone. You can watch it however you want. Mm-hmm. The rights <laughs> are so way past, uh, you know, past the expiration date. Yeah. Um, I had an aunt who uh, unfortunately passed away last year, but she had a, a huge affinity for those older classic films, Westerns and film noir specifically. And that is how I actually ended up watching like Casablanca originally and stuff like that. And we can get into to Casablanca and stuff like that because film noir specifically comes in the aftermath of World War II, right? That's like the big introduction right. to like uh, the more morally gray compromise kind of stuff. Um, but there's also mm-hmm. that conflict because of the old like uh, film laws and stuff like that where yeah, uh, that's how you get like basically mass sex appeal without characters ever actually having sex you know because they can't like show certain or they couldn't show certain things and stuff like that yeah Casablanca was like the big one and I think there's like this um there's this reputation older films have for being kind of like almost snooty or like not accessible to modern audiences Mm -hmm. because they're old and they might come across as like stilted when they're being talked about or like yeah because you know like uh, the modern stuff the faster camera moves flashier techniques but uh film noir specifically i think such a great like way to go about like starting to learn about older film because it's so stylized and because it's so like it's more modern right like i mean so many of them are composed to like jazz riffs and jazz scores like uh, moody jazz scores i mean Mm -hmm. And uh, like you brought up, like a third man, like that that iconic shot, like in the in the tunnel, like that's that's a striking image that's like on par with like anything that, that comes out today, yeah. right? Like at the very least. And uh, yeah, Citizen Kane for me was the one that was like, oh, old movies rock, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like this this rules. Um, and it's also uh, like it's it's a basic choice, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's like 
we, you also mentioned Citizen Kane. It's like Casablanca and Citizen Kane. You Google those and it's like, oh yeah, that Ooh. is often referred to as one of or the top like five best films ever made. But like, there's a reason for that. Like even Citizen Kane is like very like flashy with like its edits, its cuts, it's, like the rhythm, the way the story progresses, the, the performances. Like it's not like a slow film, no. you know? Like it's about a character study, but it's so like more than just like following like a man yeah you know it's um it really goes to show like the strength of film as like a, a tool of entertainment and expression and mm -hmm. to me that's like a big part of film noir as well yeah so much of the mood I no i agree yeah it's very moodiness and like creating this i want to say depressing feeling but melan melancholic feeling um in terms of uh you know characters certainly don't win all the time uh you know in certain situations they lose so yeah I agree yeah and uh for the more recent stuff you know we um i bring up the last boy scout a lot but like and <laughs> shane black's whole career like he he gets credit for like revitalizing the action genre with stuff like lethal weapon and all that but um like if you listen to him talk about the writing process of his stories you know he he will like he talks about like his action movies primarily as like mysteries and noir films like lethal weapon is like a film noir it just has like big set pieces you know like mm -hmm. it's it's an action movie i'm not gonna mince words like it's it's a yeah. bit of both though you know it's like driven by the same principles as something that like uh that, that's more morally gray like riggs and murtog or murtog is is like the traditional like good action stand-up guy riggs is uh you know He's the crazy person, even apart from Mel Gibson. He's the, the morally compromised one. And that's like the driving piece of his stuff, or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is like, you know, the ultimate kind of Shane Black film in that like, it's everything he loves and hates about Hollywood yeah. in like a single narrative. And it's like really sad, but it's also like really beautiful. And it's about like people that aren't, setting out to save the world maybe not even themselves but they, they kind of get like the chance to do good for just this one day and if they do that then maybe it's all worth it and also it's got like the most like reprehensible shit you'll ever watch in like a mainstream movie yeah there's some uh very unlikable characters to say it uh to say it politely in that movie yeah and i think uh, he understands that's kind of at the heart of, of film noir too. Like you don't need to like everyone, but you need to be compelled by the events that are happening. Yeah. And you, you need to understand that like no one is no one in these stories, you know, like they're, they're all coming from like a certain place, even if they're just doing like a job, like a hitman is just doing a job in these kind of films. Right. But they're not like no one, like there's an identity there. And I think that adds to like the atmosphere of um, like, people trying to figure out like uh, like unraveling like a conspiracy plot or something like that or like a murder mystery mm -hmm. and um like i just ended up rambling on nothing there because no, I, I just want to talk about kiss kiss bang bang for a second oh yeah we should but uh, it's also just like a really good starting off point i think um especially because a lot of people would know robert downey jr from the marvel films right and uh like a little quick history lesson is that that film basically saved Robert Downey Jr.'s career that eventually ended up getting him the role for Iron Man from John mm -hmm. Favreau. That's why Shane Black ended up going to direct and write Iron Man 3 because Robert Downey Jr. remembered that 
<laughs> and he was like, thank you. Let me do what you did for me. And uh, that's how Shane Black kind of came back in the 2010s. Yeah, I don't know what that. caused the, uh, like, the fall of Shane Black in the 90s. Was it like the last action hero not doing well or something? Uh, well, all of the scripts were selling, like, they were breaking, like, record sales. But with the exception of Lethal Weapon, they all kind of bombed, like, either critically or financially. And they're all, like, cult classics now, but they just didn't. They, they could not break the same like barrier that Lethal Weapon did. Uh, like even Long Kiss Goodnight, you know, it's, it's about a, a spy and a private eye. Yeah. Like it's film noir mixed with like an espionage story. It's a Christmas and, movie um, too. And Christmas. And Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> he loves Christmas. I love Christmas, which is perfect yeah. because November leads into Christmas. So this is the perfect time to talk about yeah. Shane And um, he also, I think, just uh, stepped away at a certain point because I, 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 I don't know the man, but like, He's talked about in interviews where like the culture was kind of getting to him and he maybe may or may not have made like bad judgment calls and decided to step away from Hollywood for a while. And it, Hollywood's not the kind of thing you can step away from for too long mm-hmm. or else like it might not accept you back in. So yeah. he basically said he had to crawl back to Joel Silver and be like, help me. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's how Kiss Kiss Bang Bang got made because yeah. he was like, sure i'll help you because you gave me lethal weapon and we made more money than god together so and yeah and also joel silver doesn't work anymore but he's like <laughs> yeah. a notorious asshole yeah i don't think he needs to work yeah like probably a good reason you shouldn't like attack his directors not like physically i'm not saying that i don't i'm just saying like joel silver was notoriously like those stereotypical Hollywood producers, you know, that are just like yelling at everyone and shit all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, they they gave me the last Boy Scout, so I can't be too mad about it. <laughs> uh, let me see. Let me pull up the tweets really quick. Yeah, let's uh, let's definitely read some tweets then. Yeah. All right, so some some <laughs> tweets from uh, people that are also participating in November uh, from at Lanky at Lanky Framberd. Ethan, I don't know what that name is. Um, <laughs> Double Indemnity, The Maltese Falcon, Chinatown, The Third Man, The Killing, Kiss Me Deadly, The Sweet Smell of Success. The Killing, Gene, Stanley Kubrick, that's your boy. Do you have any thoughts on The Killing? Oh, it's the uh, precursor to Reservoir Dogs. If you look at the structure of those movies, they're exactly the same. <laughs> so, Tarantino kind of has that, huh? Like where he's like, he's inspired a lot by (laughs) older films and then you watch the older films and it's like oh it's literally just that (laughs) better yeah i mean i love tarantino but like (laughs) i I think that's why tarantino is such a great gateway director too actually not like Mm -hmm. not to dunk on him like i I think this is actually a good thing because it's like oh you like tarantino here's who influenced him you can go watch those and then there's more of what he's doing and then you can see like the evolution of them from there you know, yeah. like it's 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 a really cool gate, like a gateway drug movie. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. No, yeah, no, I agree. Like, because you know, if uh, if I uh, didn't see uh, Kill Bill, I probably wouldn't have seen like Lady Snowbud. Mm-hmm. So and like, I mean, to to bring it back to film noir from uh, at film buff, put a gif of the driver from Drive, and I think that's a great gateway noir film too. That's one of the films that like really got me interested in like 
starting film criticism yeah like getting involved in that more because everyone was like saying they hated it yeah and i saw it and i was like this is like the most beautiful thing yeah you're like <laughs> you know? these people are high they are it drive is a great film it is also the exact same movie as thief it is this it's the same film it's the same one what? i, I just, love drive it's yeah. the same film <laughs> i remember people tried to um like sue the studio after that oh yeah because someone thought it was gonna be like a fast and furious type movie yeah. yeah that was dumb because you know what if you love movies you'll appreciate them both for different reasons because i love fast five and i love drive mm-hmm. just different movies yeah that's all <laughs> like, but no Dri- drives a good gateway um film noir too i think because it gets you into like the the mood like the, i mean the opening set piece is like an action set piece so i can kind of get like why someone might not go with the rest of the film after that because after that it is like a mood piece for like an hour and there's one action scene yeah and then it's just moody until the end <laughs> and that's like it but like um it gets you into like the style it gets you into like that uh that heavy synth soundtrack that i really love um lots of longing looks despair mm-hmm. and uh really really sexy cars yeah and a cool jacket that people wore for halloween every year until recently yeah <laughs> and now no one wore anything for halloween this year yeah there was no halloween this year <laughs> uh at t brian wolf dead men don't wear plaid which is one of the funniest movies ever made have you ever seen that no, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. It, it's, uh, for those that don't know, Dead, Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid is a film starring Steve Martin made in the 1980s, I believe. And it's Steve Martin filmed in black and white interlaced with classic film noir films from before like the 1960s. And it's like Kung Fu Hustle, but for film noir. Wow. It's so good. <laughs> It it rules. Um, watch it if you can. If you can track it down, uh, it's that that's one of my favorite movies. And uh, oh, uh, at film old films flicker, Maria, my sweet. Uh, this Twitter user, I don't know them personally, but I do know of them because they're constantly um, posting and promoting things for hashtag Noirvember, which is just Noir and November connected mm-hmm. together. It's kind of one of the things that inspired me to to us to do this episode and um so just give them a follow check them out because yes. you'll, yeah, you'll learn more about film noir from following them than this episode but you only found out about them by listening to this episode so you know full circle yeah um they said gun crazy too late for tears and in a lonely place i haven't seen any of those so i feel like i'm out of my depth now oh <laughs> uh, what, what else what else do we got i got a couple more i want to recommend but do you have any more you you would like to recommend gene um, that I that I would like to recommend um, in terms of noir movies, um, you know, obviously we want to go with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, you know, The Killing. If you haven't seen it, you know, not to repeat myself, but yeah, those are, uh, you know, I'm gonna like just reiterate how good those are. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, mm-hmm. but you know, some excuse me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Little um, Sin City. Um, Because I'm a big comic book fan, I'm going to throw that. Uh, Maybe just the first Sin City. (laughs) 
for sure. Um, even though I do like uh, Dame to Kill for just that specific segment. But uh, yeah, um, I think Sin City really captures the comic and the uh, the feel of a noir film. It really feels stylized. I think it was kind of ahead of its time when it came out. It really predicted stuff like Avatar with all the CG at background. So really have to give it to him. And check out the comic too, because those are, um, I mean, yes, they're very Frank Miller heavy in terms of all his uh, weird fascination with Converse shoes and some of his uh, maybe problematic, problematic, problematic elements, but uh, you know, for the most part, they're fairly good, right? I have no statement on the matter. Right. Um, I like Robert Rodriguez though, so I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, um, I was going to add Dark City. Dark City. This Dark is, City. Yes, it's on my list. No that movie fucking that? rules. Yeah, David Goyer's best. Then it's all downhill after. No, no, I'll give him credit for Batman Begins. David Goyer is a good writer when it comes to like structure and outlines. I think he has good story ideas. I think individual scenes he really struggles with. Cause like the out, like if you described what Man of Steel was about to me, <laughs> I love that film. Yeah. That's, that's got like every beat you need to work as a movie. But then you like, at least for me, I, I know, I totally get why someone likes it. I, I do not. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's it doesn't work for me. But like the structure of that totally works, and he, I I think Dark City is an example of his stuff working. Blade Two works like gangbusters to me, which is not a film noir at all, but like mm. it kicks ass. So whatever. Um, yeah, David Goyer's got moments. <laughs> all right, he, he's hit or miss, completely hit or miss. Sure, I guess. Yeah, if you want to say that. Um, the uh, excuse me, Falling by Christopher Nolan. Oh, oh that, yeah, yeah. That that ranks higher than Tenet on my list. Oh yeah, check out our Christopher Nolan episode. I, I I had a lot of fun with that one, and I still stand by everything I said about following. Very inspiring as a what you could do with a small budget. Also, the lead actor really just does not work for me in that. <laughs> but the I, I I'd recommend it for for people looking to get inspired to make a their first movie or something like Would that. Would recommend no. Tenet, but. I still got to watch it. Okay. And it's so divisive. Some people really love it. People really people don't like crying. it. People they cried at it. The, they cried at that ending. You I know? guess so. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It didn't make sense, but they, they still cried. Um, <laughs> and the last one I would recommend is Brick by Ryan Johnson. Uh, you haven't oh, seen yeah. Brick? What are you doing? Don't listen to this. Go watch it. Yeah, Brick. Brick's good. Brick. Brick's real good. Um, Brick is tied for the best ryan johnson movie with all the other ryan johnson movies so mm -hmm. take that uh, what you will right i mean you know it's uh it reminds me of uh knives out which has celebrates its anniversary where you know knives out is so intricately plotted but it makes sense um brick you know it's a little it feels a little dense but if maybe if you watch it or you watch it again you'll definitely understand everything it's all laid out there I think that's part of the key elements of film noir too. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Memento is also, I think, a, a good example of like a, a modern neo-noir where it's got like the elements of mystery and like it weaves that into like how it presents the narrative, like literally having the character not remember what happens, right? Right. And so like it's Christopher Nolan's obsession with time, space, memory, uh, empathy, all that jazz. And like, it's a very dense film but you could lay it all out on a track, you know? Like, I think there used to be fan edits on YouTube of, like, 
memento like in chronological order mm-hmm. and stuff like that right brick is very dense too uh kiss kiss bang bang first time i saw it, i thought it was very dense i didn't love it all the way through yeah uh, now it's my favorite scene black movie. like i i adore kiss kiss bang bang yeah and um but like the way people talk in these movies too it's sometimes not like how you and i talk it's not how human beings talk it's like for those that have seen oceans 12 right uh, it's it's like those <laughs> sometimes the dialogue scenes can sound like that where it's like yeah my oh let the sun the spider yeah <laughs> uh but it was not a spider i then realized it was my uncle harold and it's just like this is this is nothing but it means something to the characters you know right uh my boy supposed, michael mann right it was supposed to a be a parody yeah that, and, but, yeah exactly it was 12 it's like poking fun at it like that ridiculous dense dialogue and film noir is a celebration of that almost you know it's yeah. like who i think that's why the the nolan batman films have so much in common with film noir like on a on a surface level at least batman begins more so dark knight also dark knight rises not so dark much but like yeah dark knight rises is, is bigger it's too it's too big for film noir i think i think that's another thing film noir is small it's intimate yeah. And uh, Dark Knight Rises isn't really, which bomb. is kind of why I love it. But like it, you know. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the point I, w- I just wanted to make is that like film noirs with the dialogue and stuff like that too. It's almost like a mask for people's like actual feelings and emotions. You know, mm-hmm. a mask for their motivations, which is why you get like all the mask bullshit in the Dark yeah. Knight trilogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, which I love, but like it's it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, uh, I guess it's just to wrap up then, so we don't want to spend too much time on this very basic, again, very basic, basic introduction to film noir. Um, Beginning class intro. Yeah, film noir 101 for dummies, part A. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would, rec- again, Michael Mann's Thief. Any, any Michael Mann film is honestly like a good, like, little segue into to film noir. Even The Keep kind of gets the aesthetics of film noir down. It's just like, not a complete film yeah <laughs> um collateral is is also a great one very mm. much uh like strings you along for like a a mystery plot kind of way but also very uh existential uh yeah. heat of course as well um i mentioned the last boy scout uh night of the hunters an og classic 1950s film noir uh kind of mm. leans into the horror genre a little bit too um but you will you'll have a hard time finding more striking imagery than the black and white photography in that film. It is ridiculously stunning. If you end up watching it and not liking it, you'd be hard pressed to not at least appreciate just like the pure craft on display. Oh yeah. Charles Lawton's only film. I'm pretty sure I brought it up on the show before, but it is, uh, it is gorgeous. And I believe it's on the criterion channel right now. And you could probably rent it for really cheap because it's, uh, it's, I think it's like available everywhere now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess I guess those those would be my my remaining recommendations. Oh, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, uh, just had its uh, in real life anniversary last year, twenty nineteen, <laughs> Los Angeles, November twenty nineteen, and um, I think in a way that might be a lot of like film buffs' first film noir too. You know, like when you start getting into like the more classic like science fiction stuff, it's like two thousand one and Blade Runner, right? Yeah. Like there you go, Blade Runner is a science fiction film noir. But, uh, yeah, let's take take all this. Go enjoy the rest of your noir vember. Um, 
guess that's all that's all we got today it's a nice simple little show just uh take care of each other watch your morally compromised protagonists deal with hard decisions in case you're wanting to avoid the reality of hard decisions <laughs> i got no positive message to leave off on here i'm drowning gene save me oh uh <laughs> no uh there's some positive endings in film noir like uh one of the cuts of blade runner so maybe we'll oh, yeah. be okay you know what i will i will double down on your message there thank you for that that, that was totally the lifeboat i needed um I think Blade Runner does end on a positive note, regardless of what cut it is, because Deckard can finally embrace the more humanity, like the, the more uh, empathetic side of humanity, because the entire film, he's very disassociated from humanity, more right. so than the replicants in that story. Uh, so Not yeah, that's a replicant nice either. The point is, it doesn't matter. I don't <laughs> think he is. If we had to, if we had to get, if we had to go there, He's not, but I don't. I don't think that's the point of, of Blade Runner. Contrary to what the director of Blade Runner would tell you, <laughs> but uh, Gene, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Gene nine eight nine two as always. And you can follow me at the David Cresswell. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Like and subscribe if you didn't like this episode. Like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. And again, check out the Patreon where you can get early access to the M. Night Shyamalan Last Airbender Retrospective. We did it. It's it's a doozy. Um, the entirety of the Last Airbender podcast uh, and getting ready. Teed up for Legend of Korra 2021. Already started recording, so keep an eye out for those. Yeah. And, uh, stay, stay tuned for some Christmas stuff. Christmas stuff's coming up. I love Christmas. Yeah, Chris, Probably Christmas, talk about Shane Black some more. Christmas Chronicles too. Uh, so we're, we're doing that. Hell yeah. Yeah, surprise everyone. And uh, Gene, should we do another commentary sometime soon? I feel like we should. Um, yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah, definitely. Why not? All right, we'll, we'll figure something. We'll, we'll surprise you all. All right, everyone, stay safe, stay warm. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays.